test. 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 It works. Morning. Such a wonderful thing to be in the house of the Lord to worship together. Um, I don't know about y'all, but it's been a busy week. But it's <laughs> it's been a great week. Um, Shannon, if you're watching, we're definitely ready for you to come back. A couple of announcements this morning. Um, I want to remind you about the book Gen- gently. And Lowly by Dane Orland. It's on the back table. Um, it's free. If you haven't picked one up and read it, I encourage you to do so. Um, visitors, if you're visiting with us today, uh, there may be a card in front of you in the pew. Um, you can fill one out so we can uh, just have a record of your visit. I want to remind everyone about the Wednesday night services from 5.45 to 7.30. We have uh, children's ministry. They're going through John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Um, And then we have youth group from 6 to 7. Um, Any other announcements? Next Sunday, 12 to 2, the junior class is having a fundraiser at at the school. All right, for a call to worship, I want to read Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. 
to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, in all the days that you give us. Lord, your word says that you are a kind and loving God. We thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, most of all, we thank you for Christ. That through him we can have salvation. Through him we can have a relationship with you. Lord, and we praise you for Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, With all your mind, with all your strength, I will serve. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my. With all my mind, with all my strength, I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. says that he's faithful when we are unfaithful because he can't deny himself. So we can just rest in that fact. Let's sing this song together. Don't drop a single anchor when all those storms. 
Going back to the days of silent movies. So uh, while we're waiting to get that figured out, I'm going to watch the Mary Hill Davis video 
Brandy, I'm so glad we could gather for coffee today. It's been a while since we've been able to catch up. What's going on with you? You know, it has been a while, but this is a really exciting time. We are sharing our I Am Texas mission stories with the state. And, you know, I'm fairly new to Debbie of Texas, and I have really been enjoying getting to know Mary Hill Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you know about Mary Hill Davis? Well, I started learning about Mary Hill Davis as a young adult when I was serving on an associational leadership team while living in Amarillo. And as I began to learn more about her, I just want to share a few things that I've learned. She was elected the recording secretary for Texas WMU in 1898 and served until she was elected president in 1906. And she served for 25 years. And so her legacy and her words are still with us today. And Randy, I I collect quotes. And so I have some quotes on my little ring and I want to share, share those with you today. God helps us so grandly and so beautifully mold the young lives that cling to our heartstrings that the next generation will be a generation of heroes and heroines in the service of our King. So she was forming the future missionaries and the future leaders. Mm -hmm, She was. In 1907, she first started Young Women's Auxiliary. Then in 1908, she started RAs, and then 1913, she started GAs, which for me, as a former GA, a girl who was churched through GA, that really impacts me because I'm thinking of what she did early on impacted my life as a child. I've been reading through a lot of her quotes, you know, as we've been preparing for our events, and there's a really great quote that stood out to me, Texas Baptist women, are four-minded, four-handed, and progressive. Expect great things of them, and they will not disappoint you. She also was very passionate about women's causes. She was passionate about immigrants. She had a passion for education and for college students. And so she fundraised to build buildings on college campuses for students to gather and to learn about how to serve and to be involved in missions. Mary Hill Davis was missions. So she prepared a path for the future. She had no idea what it would be like for our lives today. But the quotes that she says are impactful and are meaningful and influence us in our world today. I do have one last quote, Brandy. In the home, in the social circle, and the wider world of work, the king was calling his daughters into a ripening harvest field, and the sickle that he places in their hands must be sharpened into the keen edge of power by consecration of life, by communion in prayer, by intensity of activity, and by the perseverance of ceaseless training. Mary Hill Davis passed away November 24, 1934. The following year, at the WMU convention in Houston, Texas, they voted to change the name of the state offering to the Mary Hill Davis offering. What a legacy she has left for us. Brandy, don't you wish we could have coffee with her? You know, absolutely. I would love the opportunity to just say thank you, Mary Hill Davis, Mm -hmm. for your life and the impact that you make in Texas missions. Oh, 
beyond our sin. That you're a holy God that's righteous in every way. And we are broken, broken sinners. But God, in your love and your mercy and your righteousness, you made a way for us to be right in your presence. So, God, we come before you this morning just worshiping your name, giving glory to Christ, giving glory to you, Father God. So as we sing this song, God, hear our praises and envelop the praises of your people.
Jesus, all glory be to you. Speak to our hearts and change us to look a little more like you. In the name of Jesus Christ alone, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Please stand with me as we read the Word of God. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Lord, that... By it, we may know you, Lord, that by it, we may be called to salvation in Jesus Christ, and Lord, by it, we may grow. Lord, give us this longing that Peter speaks of, this desire for your word, Lord, that we may continue to grow. Lord, give us the longing to grow as believers, to grow more like Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Christ and all we have in him and through him. In his name we pray. Amen. Many of you know the name of Pat Summerall. Uh, he was a NFL broadcaster for many years. He passed away in 2013. Uh, many of us might, may recognize his voice if we heard it this day. We know exactly who it was speaking. Some of you may or may not know that Pat Summerall had a drinking problem. He was an alcoholic for many years. Alcohol devastated his life. At one point, after his family had an intervention with him, he went to the Betty Ford Clinic for rehab. But what he said really turned his life around is while at the Betty Ford Clinic, he picked up the Word of God and he began reading it. And it got to the point where he couldn't put it down. And looking back, he was quoted in saying that his thirst for alcohol was replaced with a thirst for the word. Later, he gave his life to Christ. And when he passed away, he passed as a believer. It's this very thirst for the word that Peter is speaking about in our passage this morning. 
If you look at verse 1, you see an, a familiar word, and you probably know what I'm about to say. The word is therefore. When we see the word therefore, we should look and see what it's there for. It's a very good way to look at the Bible. You see the word therefore several times, especially in the letter of 1 Peter. Um, the way the letter is designed is Peter tells us this great truth about God, this great truth about our salvation, and then he says, therefore, do this. Here's some teaching. Now this is what you do. And you see that over and over in different sections in the letter of 1 Peter. In chapter 2, he says, therefore, and if we were to look back and see what he's talking about, see what the therefore is there for, we're going to skip the putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy. And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the sermon. But put it together like this. Therefore, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. So why is the therefore there? Look back at verse 23. Actually, go back to verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to in obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. For who? For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed for the last time. Now go to verse 23. Verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, not a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off but the word of Lord endures forever. Pay attention to this part. And this is the word which was preached to you. Peter's saying you've been saved. You've been brought from death to life. You've received salvation and you've received it through the teaching and preaching of God's word. This is the seed that is imperishable. The living and enduring word of God. And because you've been brought forth by this word, he says, therefore, or you could say because of, the ESV says so, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. You have to wonder, why does Peter say like newborn babies? Well, what is the one thing that a newborn baby longs for? The minute he, a baby is born, the baby longs for nothing but his mother's milk, his or her mother's milk. A newborn baby longs for the mother's milk. The baby doesn't care what color their room is, what kind of crib you give it. 
what color their clothes are. The baby only longs for the pure mother's milk. And as many know who have had children, when a baby doesn't get that milk, they let you know. They scream for it. They cry for it. You're not going to forget to feed your baby. The baby is going to let you know what it needs. And it needs its mother's milk. And Peter says, this is the longing we should have. Some of your Bibles may say, crave the pure milk of the word. We should long for it. We should crave it. We should desire it. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't have that longing. I don't really have that craving. If you're a believer, it's inside of you. Because Christ is in you. And Christ longs for the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And the Holy Spirit desires and delights in the Word of God. So if you're a believer, you have that desire in you. Maybe you say, so why don't I do that? Why don't I long for or crave the pure milk of the Word like a newborn baby craves his mother's milk? We'll go back to the therefore. Putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Peter says, you need to long for the milk of the word. You need to crave it. But first you need to do a little house cleaning. Maybe sin in your life is keeping you from the word. One of my favorite quotes, and I forget who said it, said this book, the Bible, will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. If you read it, it will convict your heart. It will keep you from sin. It will give you a desire not to sin, a desire to glorify God if you're a believer. But if you're in sin, and we could probably all attest to this, we don't pick this up so much. We don't open it so much. So, there's a few sins that Peter lists here. First, he says, put off or putting aside. Some of your Bibles may say lay aside or cast aside. This phrase actually in the Greek gives a picture of taking off your filthy garments and throwing them aside. Not taking them off and trying to wash the filth off of them. Taking them and literally casting them away. Putting them away. So put off or throw away. Lay aside, cast them away, he says. And notice there's a common word in here. All. All malice. All deceit. Some of your Bibles may say all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Many times um, an English word in the Greek means something a little different. So in the Greek, the word all actually means all. Doesn't mean a little bit, it doesn't mean some, it means all. So let's look at these sins that Peter says in order to long for the pure milk of the word, in order to grow in respect to our salvation, we need to lay these things aside. He says, putting aside all malice. 
The dictionary definition of malice is the intention or desire to do evil or ill will towards someone. It's described as wickedness which comes from within a person. It refers to wickedness of every kind, but especially having it in for someone. Carrying bitterness in your heart and a chip on your shoulder. Peter says, if you have malice in your life, lay it aside. And then he says, putting aside all deceit. Some of your Bibles may say guile, G-U-I-L-E, I believe. The definition or the word in Greek is dolos. And it literally means, it refers to a fish hook or bait or a trap. Or a trick. It talks about luring someone in to deceive them, to trick them for your own personal gain. Various kinds of deception. It's a deliberate attempt to mislead, trick, snare, or bait someone into a trap. Um, it's a desire to gain advantage or persevere over someone to deceive them, to get the best of, or the better of someone by cunning and deception. And Peter says, lay aside this malice, lay aside this deceit. You've got to set it aside. And then he speaks of hypocrisy. Lay aside all hypocrisy. Not just a little, but all hypocrisy. The Greek word for hypocrisy is hypocrisis. Um, we also get the word hypocrite. Hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. To put it in other words, being pretending to be something that you're not. The word hypocrisy in the Greek comes from the theater. It speaks about putting on a mask and being someone else. A hypocrite was an actor, someone who put on a costume, they put on the mask, and during a play, during theater, they were someone else. But afterwards, they'd go backstage and they would take it off and become themselves. Jesus speaks about hypocrites. He speaks about the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, so you also, in Matthew 23, 28, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus also calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, inside death and decay, filthiness, but outside clean and whitewashed. You give the perception of being righteous, you give the perception of being in Christ or following his word, but you're not says, if you have hypocrisy in your life, lay it aside, cast it out. Take it off like filthy clothes. Spurgeon, commenting on this word hypocrisy, says, Let us not profess to be what we are not, nor pretend to know what we do not know, or talk of experiences which we have never felt. In fact, let us never be hypocrites in any respect whatsoever. The God of truth loves his children to be the embodiments of truth. Hypocrisy he hates 
with a perfect hatred. The next sin that Peter says we need to cast aside, to lay aside in order to long for the pure milk of the word, in order to grow in respect to our salvation, is envy. When we think of envy, we normally think of, I want what you have. I'm envious of you. You've been blessed. You have nice things. You have a wonderful life. And I want that. And that is the proper definition of envy. But this is a different kind of envy. It's this and some more. Um, the, the dictionary actually says a feeling of discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, quality, or luck. A desire to have a quality, a possession, or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. But it means not just wanting what another person has, but also resenting that person for having it. It's an attitude of ill will and jealousy that leads to division and strife and even murder. When we envy, we cannot bear to see the prosperity of others because we ourselves feel continually wretched. Envy begins with desire to possess what another has but merges into resentful discontent. Maybe you say, we're Christians. We shouldn't envy. We shouldn't have these sins in our life. But as we know, Jesus has saved us from our sins, from the penalty of sin. But as long as we're still here in this earthly body, in the flesh, sin is within us. It happens. And envy, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, happens in the church and it causes division and strife. In Mark 15.10 says, For he perceived that it was out of envy, speaking of Jesus, that the chief priests had delivered him up. The chief priests was envious of Jesus. He was drawing a crowd. He was drawing a following. Um, thousands of people were following him. And to them, he was causing trouble, and he was taking the focus off of them, and they wanted that focus. Look at me. Look at how righteous I am. And it was out of envy, it says in Mark 15, 10, that the chief priests had delivered him up. They were resentful of him and to the point of murder. The last sin on our list that Peter says we should cast aside so we can long for the pure milk of the word is slander. Dictionary definition says the action uh, or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Proverbs 24, 28 says, Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips. Slander gossip, rumors sometimes. Sometimes the gossip we say, what we're talking about really happened, but we shouldn't be saying it in the way we're saying it, because maybe we're saying it to uh, bring ill will on this person, to make that person look bad. And as Christians, we should never do this, and especially 
never against our brother or sister in Christ. So Peter says, put aside malice, put aside deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, so that you, like newborn babies, can long for the pure milk of the word. Now he speaks of newborn babies because of their longing for their mother's milk, but he also speaks of newborn babies because a newborn baby comes into the world without malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander. Now, we are all born with a sin nature, but a newborn baby has not had malice in its heart or deceit or hypocrisy and envy and slander. And he says, be like a newborn baby. Put aside these things, cast them out, and long for the pure milk of the word. Crave it, desire it, want it. You may ask, why? What is the purpose of this? Peter says, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We're called to grow. We should never be content just giving our life to Christ and being stagnant. We should never be content with the fact that I've given my life to Christ. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. That's all I'm worried about. I got what I wanted. I'm not going to hell. We should never be content with being stagnant. We should never be content with not growing more like Christ. It's something we should desire. It's something we should want. And Peter says to do this, you have to long for the pure milk of the word. And notice he just doesn't say long for the milk of the word. I don't want to skip over that. That word pure is very important. Peter says long for the pure milk. The untainted, unadulterated, um, unwatered down, unsugarcoated, pure milk of the word. When you read God's word, that's what you get. But he's not just talking about reading the Bible because those that he wrote to during this time, they didn't have what we call the Bible. They did have God's word in the sense of the Old Testament, but they didn't have the full Old and New Testament. And most of the word that they received was by word of mouth. So not only is Peter saying long for the pure milk of the word, which is your Bible, which is God's word, but also long for true, solid, sound, biblical teaching. As Christians, we should long for the pure milk of the word and the pure preaching and teaching of the word to the point that when we hear false teaching or watered-down teaching or sugar-coated teaching, we shouldn't be able to hear it. If it's on the TV or the radio, YouTube, we should change it. We shouldn't be able to stand listening to watered-down, painted, biblical, well, it wouldn't be biblical, but unbiblical preaching. We should long for the pure milk of the word, untouched, untainted. We shouldn't long for man's opinion about the word, although there are some good opinions. But apart from the word, I have nothing to say up here. If I come up here and don't preach the word, I would expect you to call me out on that. Or maybe get up and leave because you long for the pure milk of the word. And Peter says, the reason you need to do this, so that by it you may grow into your salvation. 
Notice he doesn't say just so by it you may grow. You may grow into your salvation. When I read that, especially for the first time when I read it, I thought, what does he mean grow into your salvation? Don't I already have salvation? Do I have to long for the milk of the word to receive salvation from Christ? Do I have to long for the milk of the word to be saved? It's not what Peter's saying. He's not saying long for the milk of the word so that by it you may be saved. He's saying long for the milk of the word because you are saved and you can grow into your salvation. When I think of growing into something, I think of when I was a kid, my mother would buy me shoes that were most times a half size too big. They were my shoes. I possessed them, but I needed to grow into them. With our children, we may do the same thing. We may buy, buy pants. Um, he's probably doesn't like me using him in, as an example, but Jaden's grown a lot. And we buy pants that are a little bit long. So next week, we don't have to buy more pants. But they're his pants. He owns them. He possesses them. But he's got to grow into them. That's the same thing we read here. Grow into your salvation. It's yours. You received it from Christ through faith. But grow into it by longing for the pure milk of the word. And then in verse 3 he says, That's if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you have tasted the kindness or the goodness of the Lord. And because of that, you should have this longing, this desire in you. It's not something that's forced upon you. I think of our children before they're believers. We, in a sense, and it's good to bring them to church. We want to bring our kids to church. We want to read the word because that's where we hear about Christ. That's where our salvation, um, um, you know, that's how we're brought forth by the word of truth. But in a sense, it's an outward thing. It's kind of outwardly forced upon them. But Peter's saying as believers, this isn't something that's outwardly forced upon you. It should come within. It should already be in there. And it is. But sometimes we have to put aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. And you have to wonder, why just those things? There's tons of sin. In our, we could go on and on and on and on naming sins. But within all of these, I believe comes all the rest. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. We have to lay those aside so we can long for the pure milk of the word so that by it we may grow in respect to our salvation. Some of you here today, you don't have that longing. And I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about those who don't know Christ. You don't have that longing. It's not there. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. But you can. By giving your life to Christ. By placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can have that longing. And you can grow into your salvation. And you can have the ability to lay aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Before Christ, we couldn't do that. 
We didn't have the ability. We didn't even have the desire, believe it or not, to lay these things aside. But if you are not in Christ, you don't have the ability to do this. But if you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit will come within you. He will convict you of your sin. You will have this longing to live for the glory of God and this longing for the pure milk of the word. And you will be able to lay aside these sins. Those who don't know Christ, I want you to know one simple thing. Christ died for you. He died for your sins. The Bible says we are all sinners. None are good, no, not one. And that we cannot be right with a holy God. God is holy and we are not. And that causes a problem. How do we have a relationship with a holy God when... We are not holy. And the answer is Christ. Jesus, that Sunday school answer. Jesus died on the cross. Our sins were placed on him. When you give your life to Christ, when you trust in him, when you have faith in him, his sins are put on you. I mean, sorry, not his sins. Our sins are laid on him. His righteousness is on you. And when God looks on us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And for those who don't know Christ, today is the day of salvation. God is calling you. He will regenerate your heart. He will give you the ability to give your life to Christ. And if that's something that happens today, happens tomorrow, or at any time, let us know so that we may rejoice as a church that another lost soul has been saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you, Lord, that through Christ we can receive your Holy Spirit. Lord, that by your Spirit we can have a longing and desire for your Word. We can read it. Lord, we can understand it. Lord, we can know more about you and we can know more about what it is you require of us. Lord, we can know how to live a life that glorifies you and have it, how to live a life that witnesses to others about Jesus. Help us, Lord, to lay aside the sin in our life so that we may, like newborn babies, long for your word. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Christ, I pray today is the day of salvation for them. Today is the day that you have chosen to call them out of darkness and into light, regenerate their hearts that they may receive your gospel, that they may have the ability to respond to it and to have new life in Christ. Lord, we praise you for Jesus, for his life, Lord, for his death on the cross for sinners. Lord, for the fact that he was resurrected on the third day, that he ascended into heaven. And Lord, that he intercedes for us. And that because of that, we receive your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
few things on the prayer list. Um, continue praying for Tommy, um, Roy, and Judy. Um, I had the honor of preaching Joyce's funeral this week. Um, I had the pleasure of spending time with Tommy and Roy and Judy and, and some of Joyce's friends and family. Um, I got to know a lot more about her than I didn't know. Um, but they definitely need prayer uh, as they go through uh, next few weeks and months and, and even years. Um, and also, if there's anything that you can think of to, to reach out, I know many people have been sending them food. Tommy joked that he's going to have to buy some new pants. He's been eating so well. Um, so just keep them in your prayers and your thoughts and, and reach out to them. Um, I think we need to uh, also be praying for the LaFond family, am I correct? Um, and uh, anything else, any other updates? Anyone that's not on here we need to be praying for? Um, continue praying for my stepdad. He's still going through treatment. Um, it's got him down. He, he went through all his other treatments like a champ, and, and this is kind of, um, he doesn't have as much energy at times. Um, so we'll pray, and you'll be dismissed. Tonight, we've got James, right, teaching tonight at the uh, evening service. Do we have choir practice? No choir practice. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for all of these people on our prayer list. Lord, um, we pray for those who have lost loved ones, that you are comforting them uh, with the knowledge that, Lord, you are God and that you um, are sovereign over all things, and that you are able to strengthen them and give them comfort. Lord, in times of stress and struggle, Lord, we pray for those who are sick on our prayer list that you would bring them healing. We do pray for the Bond family that, that you are healing them. Lord, we pray for our church and community that no one else would get sick. And Lord, that we would all be in good health and that COVID would not spread in our community. Lord, uh, there are many people that I know of just in our county who have passed away because of COVID, and we do pray for their families. Um, and uh, Lord, that you would be comforting them also. Lord, I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>